Hello, listeners, and welcome to Decisive Point, our new podcast series for the U.S. Army War College Press. The Decisive Point gets directly to the heart of the matter. We invite distinguished authors to discuss their recent contributions to the press. Today, we have three guests, Army Lieutenant Colonel Ryan Scott, Army Lieutenant Colonel Jabrell Means, and Dr. Patricia Shields, who is the Editor-in-Chief of Armed Forces and Society Journal and an eminent scholar in political science. Together, they have co-authored an article entitled COVID-19, The Enemy is Still Advancing. That article will appear in a 2020 autumn issue of Parameters. Welcome to Decisive Point. In your article, you all claim that COVID-19 is the enemy and that enemy is still advancing. Could you elaborate on that for our listeners, please? Yeah, absolutely. And, and as discussed in the, in the article, uh, the United States uh, faced a threat and complexity of uh, large-scale mobilization uh, in a short time uh, during World War One. I. I bring that up as a way to kind of think through uh, COVID-19 and the lessons that we learned and that are available in World War One. So the threat and complexity of large-scale mobilization in a short time, a pandemic that the U.S. faced in 1918 and a new form of uh, trench warfare that the U.S. faced uh, all kind of tie into what we're trying to bring through in that article. And so the article attempts to bring attention to uh, the American Expeditionary Forces experience uh, in defeating what Carol Byer uh, refers to as the germs and the Germans. Uh, First Army, for example, faced uh, the deadliest form of influenza in the form of 1918, uh, which was soon accompanied by pneumonia. this was during the Meuse-Argonne Offensive and coincided with a highly fatal second wave of influenza uh, in October 1918. Uh, so there we have some lessons that we can draw from that correlate directly to what we're seeing today in the current pandemic. Uh, if we think through that again, adding to the complexity was the pandemic's impact on mobilization of Army recruits. Uh, in the article, we address and discuss uh, Camp Greenlee, for example, uh, by October uh, 26, uh, there were roughly uh, over 5,000 flu cases uh, and 99 or close to 1,000 uh, cases of pneumonia, resulting in 325 deaths. Similar experiences were held throughout uh, the mobilization camps across the country and in France. Uh, so the challenge that military leaders face at the time is how might we sustain training and mobilization uh, of new recruits given the risks a rapid spread of an invisible enemy? which correlates again to what we're seeing today. Uh, And and as a final point, uh, we acknowledge that the more widely discussed aspect of World War I in military literature uh, is the birth of modern warfare. So Knox and Murray, for example, uh, often refer to World War I as a revolution in military affairs because it set a pattern for how we conduct 20th century warfare. Uh, So in the context of the article, Uh, We argue that the United States shifted away from neutrality aimed at continental defense and found itself in the throes of a strategic environment featuring aerial combat, chemical weapons, unyielding gridlock of trench warfare, and an invisible enemy. So with those things in context, we can now look at the enemy for today, which is COVID-19, and how it's still advancing and possibly draw some lessons from the past. Right. That sounds great. So um, obviously you're relying a lot on the Spanish influenza experience as a model for dealing with today's 
pandemics. But in what ways is that model helpful versus perhaps harmful? You know, to what extent are there limitations of how far we can apply that model? I understand. It's a great question. Uh, so we argue that COVID-19 is not a new problem uh, for the Army because the Army has trained for this event. In the article, we point out that the United States uh, has a national strat strategy for uh, pandemic influenza, which was first published in 2005. While the military is discussed broadly in that document, uh, other federal agencies, including the DOD, have improved upon this document uh, with similar products. Uh, for example, uh, since the DOD pandemic plan, which was developed in 2006, uh, the U.S. military has uh, pandemic exercises in locations such as Germany, uh, Hawaii, Indiana, and South Carolina, involving uh, the rapid vaccination of local communities, uh, enactment of quarantines, the communication and coordination with multiple agencies and officials. And additionally, uh, the Army has experienced the complexity of a pandemic, as we mentioned before, during World War I. Uh, so the problem is uh, we're being, uh, I guess the problem that put better is that we being the military and the nation writ large tend to have a short memory. Uh, so we need to contextualize our traditions and hopefully the article does that. And Jabril, would you like to add to that? Yes, uh, and thanks, Ryan. Um, so we found several overlaps between our current experience in World War One. For example, during World War One, medical officers in the military had to figure out how to combat influenza and do it safely, all while facing the pressures of global war. Just as in World War One, we are relying on medical experts again to figure out how this new invisible enemy, COVID-19, operates and how to minimize lives lost while also maintaining military operations across the globe. Um, however, the context has changed dramatically, right? During World War One, the United States was not a global power, but now we are. Yes, our military is committed globally, as discussed in the article, but the conditions were worse during World War One. And if you consider the complexity that Ryan mentioned earlier, um, you know, you'll see that. Despite this point, in the earlier stages of our discovery of how to address COVID-19, we've witnessed some military operations coming to a complete top, which is proof that we have not drawn lessons of the past. So another goal of this article was to draw inspiration from history uh, to see how we continue to move forward. Okay, that's super. Um, so your article also identifies three critical or key recommendations. I wonder if you could discuss them briefly for our listeners as well. Absolutely. And our recommendations are aimed to help military and civilian decision makers first and foremost. Uh, but we recommend three things. So first, by relentless determination, uh, we mean remaining focused and committed to achieving the objectives and supporting the mission despite the odds. General Pershing, for example, in the article we mentioned, uh, he offers a great example of military leader with relentless determination, our first recommendation. Uh, he faced an unfamiliar operational environment, including a new form of warfare uh, matched with an in invisible enemy at the time, uh, the 1918 influenza pandemic. Uh, he maintained his bearing and uh, he did not tolerate pessimism. And he was an unflappable leader that inspired confidence that made the difference uh, so again, that relentless determination. The second piece is trusting the experts. 
And by trusting the experts, we mean simply that military leaders uh, have often, uh, you know, they have a staff, they have subject matter experts that help them navigate complexity. What we learned from the 1918 pandemic is medical officers and camp commanders also adapted and did their best to learn and adjust to an invisible enemy. Uh, they, recommend, uh, they recommended slowing the pace of mobilization, for example, uh, through quarantines and the deliberate uh, separation of symptomatic and non-symptomatic recruits. But that could have easily been lost. And you look at, uh, for example, uh, the Army chief at the time, the chief of staff, uh, Peyton March, uh, he was reluctant to listen to the medical experts and had no intention of retarding um, the U.S. participation in the war. In doing so, he risked success uh, for the future spreading of influenza on ships. Uh, he risked that pandemic moving uh, across camps and which multiplied the potential of the spread of the virus even abroad in, in France. Uh, Pat, would you like to add to that final point? Um, yes, well, the third recommendation was physical, was uh, acuity and mental toughness. And this is important because it ensures readiness as in, for military leaders, specifically, as then Colonel Marshall points out, leaders who were in excellent physical condition maintain the will and optimism to conquer the enemy in the face of adversity. The Army supports this point today with its improved Army combat fitness test. Similarly, leaders must remain mentally ready to, ready to conduct large-scale combat or asymmetric operations while simultaneously confronting other threat multipliers like COVID-19. The flexibility to adapt is really important in this situation. The world is becoming increasingly complex. We need military leaders equipped to creatively resolve unexpected problematic situations. That's super. So given that this is such an important topic and likely to be a strategic challenge to us for a while, I wonder if you have recommendations for our listeners for further reading on this topic. Uh, yes, sir. And I, I, we have two, uh, two categories. Uh, one directly talks to uh, the, the American experience during World War One uh, and its influenza epidemic. And it's by uh, Carol Byerly. The name of the book is Fever of War, the Influenza Epidemic in the, United, in the U.S. Army during World War I, published in 2005. Uh, the second book is a more recent book that addresses um, the complexity that the world faces on multiple fronts. The name of the book is All Hell Breaking Loose, the Pentagon's Perspective on Climate Change um, by Michael Clare, uh, published in 2019. I think that offers a great insight into things that military leaders are facing now and will continue to face uh, in an unknowable future. Well, that's great. I, I'd like to thank uh, Ryan, Jabelle, and Pat for spending time with us today and for sharing their insights. We hope everyone has enjoyed this episode of Decisive Point. We appreciate the opportunity. Yes, thank you. Thank you.